everybody. Welcome to Out of the Box Podcast, the official Team Roping Office podcast, often imitated, never duplicated. I'm Audra, and this is my host, the uh, birthday boy as of yesterday, and announcer extraordinaire, Farron Lucero. Hey, Farron. Hey, hey, what's up, Draw? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Just same old. How's everything been going? Have you been on the road lately? I have been. I have been. I've been pretty busy. I just got back from an event in Clovis, New Mexico with True Roping Productions. Big event, big truck roping, over 1,400 teams is absolutely awesome. Uh, everybody was able to track it on Global, so Global Roping, that was that was awesome. The Global Roping app, which you can get on Google Play, or the App Store. If they, if Folks, if you don't have that, you need to go ahead and download that. It's priced right. It's free. Come on. <laughs> Do it. All right, Baron. Well, uh, we have a really special podcast today. Uh, for those of you that don't live around this area, I, you know, we're out of Albuquerque, so it's not too far from us. Saw a lot of smoke the past few months. Here in New Mexico, we've had some of the worst fires in history. The Hermit's Peak Fire, which then combined with the Calf Canyon Fire, was located just west of Las Vegas and in the Mora area here in New Mexico, just nor- northern New Mexico, and it has burned as of today. 341,735 acres. It started April 6th and it was initially a controlled burn. Luckily, as of today, it is 93% contained, but it has affected thousands of people here in Northern New Mexico. Many farmers and ranchers lost livestock, horses, their homes, you know, it's been pretty awful. Yeah, it, uh, it's actually been a very bad, bad thing. And we had uh, the pleasure to talk to two ropers who helped out. One, uh, Cade Pasig, one of our open ropers, him and uh, his buddy, Chris Francis, they also teamed up to go fight fires over there. They're out helping neighbors and making sure that everything was nice and safe and sound. So we got to talk with them. Uh, Cade, of course, works with Matthews Land and Cattle, which is part of the World Series of Team Roping. They put on a lot of events and U.S. Ropings as well. We also got to speak with Charles Gonzalez, a roper who is an active firefighter up north and everything that it took to battle this blaze well he's going to let us know and inform us about what it took to be out of the box in the fire all right well folks thanks for tuning in we've got uh kate Pasig here with us kate Pasig, of course the 2018 bfi champion along with chris francis this guy rodeos breaks in cattle this guy's an announcer i hope he never quits roping otherwise i won't have a job uh, this guy is absolutely phenomenal. Cade, uh, how have you been? Everything's been good. Thank you guys for having me on here. Yeah. Uh, Cade, just tell us, you know, for those who don't know you, you know, um, how long have you been roping for? How long have you been in this in the team roping industry? Um, where are you from? Just tell us a little bit about yourself. I live in Las Vegas, New Mexico right now. Um, I have roped since I was big enough to pick one up and swing it. Uh, my family roped. I've grown up around it my whole life. Um, I moved up here, I guess it's been nine years now. I've lived in Las Vegas and worked for Orrin Matthews and worked with Chris Francis with Matthews Landing Cattle and put on World Series. So I guess nine years that I've been uh, helping produce ropings and breaking in cattle and been, I guess, more involved in the industry. Have you been roping this year or announcing this year or kind of what's been going on? Uh, well, I'd broke my leg back at the end of October and had to have oh, surgery shit. and had to have a, a rod put in it. And oh. so I actually wasn't released to walk and put weight on it till like February 7th or 10th, I think it was. And um, yeah, about a week and a half later, I went to Tucson and stuffed the rodeo <laughs> and, the, and the Mike Servi and all that. And I probably 
wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I'm a little stubborn, but it's kind of slow starting. But yeah, we've had a few ropings this year that I've uh, uh, announced at, and then we've just started kind of here the last probably month or so going to some more rodeos and going to some more jackpots. Well, you know, and Cade, uh, everybody knows you in the arena and your persona and everything that you bring to the table. But here recently, uh, well, actually, April 6th is when uh, the Hermit's Peak fire started. And uh, you had to kind of get out of the box and uh, go do some other things. Can you tell us uh, your involvement in that Hermit's Peak fire? And absolutely not your involvement, I guess, how you helped it. Because you didn't light it. Well, you didn't start the fire. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, that's a, it was kind of funny because they said it, it was a prescribed burn. And I told my buddy right. that and he said, well, good thing it wasn't a wildfire. There's no telling how big it had got. But, uh, <laughs> he's not wrong, is he? <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. But no, it, it started and it was, we were just kind of kept an eye on it. And it was a little ways from us, but it was a terrible time of the year. The wind blows, I think, maybe 50 on a good day that time of the year here. Right. And it's, it was so stinking dry. And uh, a lot of our friends uh, from around there and stuff, their ranch and stuff were kind of in jeopardy. And a lot of people are having to go move cattle. And we housed a lot of horses and stuff there at our feedlot, kind of trying to help some people out and in some rough times. And I mean, it, the fire was moving so many different ways that one day it'd be headed north and next day it'd be headed south. So nobody really, you're, it didn't matter where you're at, you're in the way of it, it seemed like. And so it had gone on for a little while. And then the, it turned into the Calf Canyon fire, Hermit's Peak fire. And um, there's a highway that goes straight north of Las Vegas, uh, Highway 518. And uh, it was on the west side of that highway. We live on the east side. And um, that was kind of what we were monitoring, was making sure it wasn't going to get down there and cross over, over on 518, which um it got it got fairly close it, it got all the way up to it but the wind blowing 50 and 60 as hard as it was if it would have got on the grass over there it would have just it would have took off and you'd have never hardly got it stopped but um i think it was oh it was about it, it had been burning already for a couple of weeks and uh there's a little town sapio right there and there's a store the midway store and uh, there's a little community latewa well there's some friends of ours that, that live in that little community and they called us, uh, it was about 5.30 in the afternoon and said it come off the ridge and it's coming to 5.18. And so me and Chris Francis and um, Robbie Reed, the guy that works with us, we hauled Bud over there in water trucks and we stayed there till about 11 o'clock that night. We had equipment and stuff over there and we had cut some fire lines um, around the store, around the school. And uh, I've, I've helped in some grassland fires but that up there, flames that tall and as hot as that was, I watched probably four houses burn down that night. And wow. that was, that was, I wasn't ready for that. But I felt like the 11 team that roped really good and needed to enter and decided to enter the open. I got up there and I was like, I am not equipped for this. I mean, how, how do you even prepare for something like that? I don't really know if there is a good way to prepare for it. I mean, it, it moves so fast and. All we could do is try to get as far ahead of it as we could and get some fire lines cut and get it get it wet down. And our help was kind of like vigilante style. We weren't really asked and we didn't really ask for permission. <laughs> we just, okay, you know, seen the opportunity to try to get in there and help. Uh, we went and helped yeah. some friends a couple of days before that, get a bunch of horses out and stuff. And 
Um, thankfully, the guy we work for has a construction company, so at least we have equipment and water trucks that are available, you know. So did you try to, like, save any homes or do anything like that, or are you just trying to mitigate it from continuing to move? That's, yeah, that's where we were trying to get it to. Uh, uh, it's kind of hard to explain if you haven't been there, but there's kind of a ridge that comes down behind that store, and if it would have continued to go around the store it potentially could have crossed 518 really easy there. There's real tall trees on both sides. So then but there were so many ranches that had already, the fire had already passed through, but there's so many ranches on that other side too. So it's, and you know, it's kind of gets down with like, who do you save? You know what I mean? Oh boy. Yeah. Those are big decisions right there. Yeah. And that's what I'm not going to say anything about how to, how it should have been run and what the firefighter should have done. I mean, there's people that, come to a rope and they're mad and I'm like well if you've never put on a rope and you don't understand I've never had to you know employ 1200 firefighters on a 300,000 acre fire uh, yeah. forest fire so I don't I don't know what to say or what to do and what decisions to make you know mm-hmm. but um, it had <clears throat> we had went home at 11 o'clock that night and at 2 30 that morning they called and said it's it's to 518 and when we got there there was a wall of flames uh, across to another friend of ours ranch, Don Peterson. Then, I mean, the wind was blowing, it was two 30 in the morning. The wind was already blowing pretty hard. And I mean, it was, I mean, you couldn't hardly outrun it. And, uh, they only had one fire crew there and I mean, they were doing what they could, but it wasn't enough, you know? And so we cut the fence and got two water trucks in there and got it, got it stopped and put out at five eighteen from crossing. And so, I mean, that was kind of our, our biggest involvement other than, you know, helping some people get horses out and, you know, this, the school and the store and a bunch of our friends right there in the little town of Latewa trying to cut some fire lines around some houses and, and get it stopped from getting inside of there and, and destroying more homes. Yeah. You know, and that whole deal, I, I've got a brother-in-law that's a firefighter there uh, in Albuquerque. And, you know, he said they had 12, 1500 firefighters there. Uh, the biggest thing was those winds, those wind gusts. Like some days it was 80 miles an hour. So then those helicopters and those uh, planes that carry all that, you know, can go grab the water. Uh, you know, they're grounded. And then you have that much wind. I mean, the guys can't get to the front lines to uh, to get anything. So this whole deal was just a mess. Is it contained? It got kind of scary the other day because it, it hasn't really been that smoky now. I mean, there for a while, I mean, it was miserable at home. You couldn't mm-hmm. see. It was smoking in Albuquerque. That's what I had friends from Albuquerque and Santa Fe that would send me Snapchat so you could see like the plume of smoke over the mountain over there. And mm-hmm. it was it was nasty here, but it kind of flared back up. But um, we actually ate dinner the other day with the guy that he comes in after like natural disasters. He come off the Dixie fire that burned a million acres in California last year. And he comes in and him and his company, they clean up uh, homes. And it's like a hazmat type deal. You don't just push it in a pile and throw it away. You have mm-hmm. to sort stuff and 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 so uh we ate dinner with him and he said that the fire the other day wasn't spreading anymore it was just more of like an interior burn kind of burning where uh it hadn't and i mean you can see now that it's clear you can see the burn scar on the mountain here and it's it's crazy like i mean it's there'll be a we drove up there and i mean there'd be a house just leveled burned to the ground and then the one beside it wouldn't even have anything wrong with it I mean, it, it's just crazy how it was burning in several different directions, but I guess it's been burning more in the interior. And we've got, I think, about six inches of rain. So here mm-hmm. in the last 10 days. So now 
everybody's up there fighting the the floods, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, how does that affect? Because now you're going to have all that runoff because everything burned out. Now you could have. It was super dry, and now we're mad because it's raining too much. I guess. What do you always What do you always say? Curse the dark and shoot out the lights. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a, Cuss that's the dark about, and that's... shoot out the lights. That's uh, about what it feels like now, but I mean, it's there's a lot of like just nasty black water running off there, and mm. at least we've gotten some rain. And they, I mean, I would think surely by now they've got to have it pretty close to being 100% contained. But I guess now it, it's it's fighting the floods now. So my question is too. I mean, I don't know what you've heard, but so all the people that that did lose their their ranches and all these people that have had to kind of figure it out. I mean. Is there something in the community? Are, are people doing something? Is the government doing anything? I mean, do you have any idea on what's going to happen to some of these people? I haven't heard much. All I heard is uh, they were offering like low interest loans or something to rebuild. And I mean, that's I mean, most there was I seen an article. There was a lady that was 72 years old and has never left ever from up there. And she had to leave when they evacuated her. And they took her to either Bernalillo or Albuquerque, I think it was. And for the first time in 72 years, I mean, there's, I, I think it's going to be pretty devastating, honestly, like economically. I mean, there's a, a huge kind of, it's like a golf resort. Pandaray is what it's called. It's an awesome golf course. Uh, people from out of state have these awesome homes up there. And I mean, they got leveled. And so mm-hmm. it's almost like, well, do you know, do we come and rebuild now there's no trees and i mean it's just mm-hmm. the grass is already kind Not of starting ideal. to grow but it's it's like yeah what do you do i, I come up there because there was pine trees and beautiful view and now there's nothing so right. I, I think it's going to hurt kind of economically for the town and, and there's a lot of people i feel like will just be like you know what i don't want to take the time to rebuild or or to retry the uh the Mon- the montoya family they uh they went up there and got all their cows off. And I talked to Jerome the other day and he said that they had to sell a few pair just to kind of, they could keep lesser cattle where they had them at the time. But, uh, you know, they're just kind of hoping that the rains start bringing some grass back and kind of getting some stuff back to where they can start to, to rebuild. I'm going to say it's, it's going to be pretty hard for a, a lot of those families up there. Well, you know what I was going to say too, is in Vegas, for those who don't know, um, it's New Mexico is kind of different. It's laid out different. And um, that's one of those areas that have had people that have owned their property or land, like you were saying, have had like almost a hundred years or more of their families, homes and ranches. And um, it's just a lot of people don't move from there. They're there and they've lived there and they've grown up there and their ancestors have grown up there. So I think that'll be interesting to see what those people do that like, that's the only home they've ever known. Yeah, for th- this area is super like they're deep in their roots and their family. And I mean, it's I, I think just like you said, there's people that have they grew up there and their parents grew up there and their grandparents grew up there and now it's all gone from them. So I I, I, I feel terrible for the families that had to go through that and and are stuck with the decision on 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 what to do. Thankfully, it, it didn't get to our place. Uh, we were prepared. We had some fire lines and stuff cut in case it did jump and we weren't told in time, but um, there was, yeah, it's pretty detrimental to a lot of people up there. I mean, there's, there's a lot of families that have, you know, smaller ranches and stuff that have been in the family for generations that are, I mean, they're charred. I mean, the grass will always grow back, you know, but 
the the fencing and the the windmills and the water. I mean, that's that's stuff that's going to take that's going to take a lot of money and a lot of time to to get it back to that. You know, it's it's more than just the grass. I mean, as of recent, have you been helping anybody or, I mean, I know things have kind of slowed down. Any other people that you've kind of reached out to or been helping or you and Chris Francis or anybody else? Yeah, we've, uh, we've kind of been in contact with the brand inspector there for a while. That if, you know, uh, if somebody had 40 or 50 cows and needed something to do with them, that we could, we could house them for them. Fire kind of spread further north towards Angel Fire. So it kind of, um, everybody out of here was kind of out of the way for a minute. So things started to cool back down and people started to go up there and see what they lost. But here, you know, here recently, we haven't really had to, had to do anything for anybody. And a um, few horses here and there that people have to bring for a few days to kind of get some pins redone or, you know, stuff like that. What do you have coming up, Kate? Anything? I mean, what are you, you know, announcing anywhere? Are you roping anywhere this weekend? I mean, what, what do you got coming up or what does Matthew's land and cattle have coming up? You're going to be a firefighter uh, though, are you? <laughs> no. I, okay. No. We don't, we don't need those, to lose you, Kate. No, I'll, I'll let those, those people stay. I mean, there's some, I've seen some rugged individuals in there <laughs> men men and women both i've filled up two ladies um hot shot truck if i had a water truck i would they would take about 300 gallons so i'd fill them up and there was two ladies in there and looked like they haven't had much sleep their faces were black and one was from arizona one was from idaho and the lady from idaho said i love it when the ranchers help she said i come from a ranch and family she said this is how we've always done it but yeah, it's pretty cool. That's some tough, tough, tough individuals in there, but yeah, tough job. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Thankful for them. Yes, absolutely. But, uh, no, we're going to go to some rodeos this week during the 4th of July. Chris and Chris and I are, and then, uh, um, I believe it's the following weekend. I think it's ninth, 10th, 11th. We'll be in Andrews at the Ace Arena, uh, Matthews landing cattle. We produce a world series there. And then, uh, Oh, we'll slip off and go to Cheyenne and Salinas to, go to a few rodeos, Chris and I, and then I think we uh, end up right back in San Antonio the first weekend of August. Man, just right. It'll be fast, fast and furious. Yes, the month of July and August goes very fast around it here. It does. I appreciate you coming on and talking to us about everything, and hopefully we'll see you down the road. Thanks, Kate. Uh, first off, Charles, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What do you do? And did you grow up here in New Mexico? Uh, yes, ma'am. So uh, I grew up here in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh, born and raised. Uh, my family, my dad's side of the family is from up north, kind of uh, the Penasco area. Yeah. And uh, my mom's family is from here in Santa Fe. What do you do for work? So I work for the city of Santa Fe Fire Department. Um, I'm a driver, firefighter, so I'm an engineered firefighter so uh i drive fire trucks and uh i also do wildland firefighting through the city of santa fe so i actually started doing wildland firefighting before i went structural so i used to go out on a on a type 2 hand crew to forest fires oh wow uh, once wow. i got in the department i uh i was full-time structure at that point but i was still able to do wildland because we do send trucks out so I've I've been able to go out on brush trucks and different units like that to to wildfires throughout the past eight years. Yeah, and, and Charles, you're also a team roper, huh? Yeah, I do a little bit of roping. It's kind of a long story, but uh, well, my uh, 
my mom's dad was a big team roper and uh, both my parents roped a little bit. And uh, I guess he was actually one of the first ones to start the Santa Fe Roping Club. But unfortunately, he passed away from an accident before I was born. So um, we kind of got away from it. Yeah. But I always grew up around horses. Uh, I grew up doing a lot of hunting and uh, pretty much was able to get back into team roping. And uh, yeah, I actually started really team roping a lot in the past past couple of years. So. so how long how long have you been a firefighter? Uh, I've been a firefighter. I uh, did about eight and a half years because I started as a wildland firefighter and then went to become a structured firefighter. Were you helping to mitigate the Hermit's Peak fire? Yeah. So uh, they sent they sent us out from the city of Santa Fe as a interstate mutual aid agreement. They call it an IMAP. So they sent us to the city of Las Vegas on a structure protection detail with a few other trucks from around uh, the area, really. So what we did was we were assigned to structure protection when it was really, really aggressive, the fire, and kind of towards the World College and all that was being threatened. They sent us in there and pretty much just worked that whole area for uh, 14 days. About what point did they realize this is like, hey, we're going to need some help. So if we started at April 6, when did they call you guys out, do you think? They called us out at the end of April. I believe it was mm -hmm. the last week of April. They kind of, that's when it was really getting bad. And for us, we were trying to go. Uh, some of the wildland firefighters that I work with in the city, we were trying to, you know, we, we kind of saw the writing on the wall. So we were trying to go as soon as possible. But uh Unfortunately, we only had one truck to send at that point, so we staffed it and sent it. Um, but once they sent us was when when the city of Vegas really started getting threatened by the fire and all that. They sent That's when they uh, decided to deploy uh, our group out there. How many firefighters were helping with that fire at, at its peak? I want to say right around 3,000 personnel on the fire. Oh, 3, wow. 3,500 maybe. So total, yeah, from all over the nation. So it was a pretty big effort. It was, I mean, it was the biggest fire, I believe, on in New Mexico history, so. You guys were only out there 14 days, you said? Uh, we spent, I spent 14 days out there, yeah. So, so you pretty much go on 14 days and then you have to take either an R&R, &R, so rest and relaxation, mandatory, or you can get extended 21 days, then you have to take a longer rest and relaxation. So we got sent out for 14 days and then we got sent back and then they sent out another group of engines uh, a week later. So in total, how long, I mean, how long did you guys, were you fighting this fire? So in total, our truck spent, I want to say close to, uh, I, I would have to say close to a month out there. How long do you? How long are those sh those shifts? Are you just fighting fires until the the job's done, or are they saying, "Hey, you you know, after eight hours, this crew's done, and we're going to bring this other one in"? How does that work? So usually, yes, it, it, especially for a big incident like that, they separate it into a day shift and night shift. You'll be assigned the shift when you get on the fire, and then those are your hours of operation. Um, mm. So typically, uh, yeah, so they'll they'll designate that, and you know, guys will work a full day, you know, it could be 12 to 16 yeah. hours, get off. And then the night shift comes on and works all night, you know, oh. into the morning. 
And you guys are fighting 50 miles, 60 mile an hour gusts, sometimes 80 miles an hour. How frustrating was was that? I mean, there was like Mother Nature was not wanting to help. It was very tough. I mean, I mean, the weather conditions were were everything for this fire. I I'd never been on such aggressive, such an aggressive yeah. fire. And I think it was just, you know, the drought and combination with the winds and everything else that it Absolutely. was just it was it was pretty crazy to see. Was there something else that you guys took out of it? Like, was uh, obviously every time something happens, you want to reassess your processes. And and uh, is there anything, I mean, what do you do to fight a fire like this, right? I mean, for us, at the level I was at, we were doing a lot more of, uh, you know, boots on the ground and not as much of the planning mm. and uh, gotcha. tactics. But for right. us, it was just very unpredictable. So there was really no, like, it, it was just every day, you know, we were pretty much living off the weather report, but there were days when the fire would burn through and it'd come back around and burn again. You know, yes. so. I talked to a guy last weekend about that, and uh, he said he, his ranch it didn't get. He says it's like they're all his is just green, green grass, and then but that fire circled around once, and a few days later just came back and tried to burn again. Oh yeah, um, I mean when when the Hermit's Peak prescribed uh, burn got out of control. I was helping some buddies in the area pull uh, pull their their cattle out, mm. and you know that that was when Hermit's Peak got out of control, and right. you know it missed the ranch, and then once Calf Canyon blew up, it came back and got it. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. I mean, was there a moment where you like were scared for you and I mean your fellow firefighters, where you were like, man, this this feels like something could happen. Uh, for for me, yeah, a little bit. Uh, we we took out a, you know, we were in big structural fire engines, so it was tough to maneuver out there and stuff. And we were pretty much dedicated to the city, but we did spend some time in some tough areas. But uh, yeah, we had some younger firemen that, you know, I was a little nervous for them and working with younger guys. I was always used to working with more experienced people. You know, when you typically go out, you're with a lot of experience, but these guys were kind of fresh, so. I was a little nervous for them. Um, I think for me, I the whole thing, uh, when we initially got dispatched, it was like, it was right then and there. It was like, you get a phone call, you're on your day off. And, you know, I was out eating with a friend and they called and said, you want to roll on this fire? And I said, I took it. I said, yeah, I'll be there. And they said, well, I'll report to the station at 8 a.m., you know, tomorrow. So 10 hours later, we were, we were leaving. We got there and it was kind of, you know, we got our designation and we kind of, you know, got everything taken care of to start work the next day. But since we were uh, on the city structure protection, uh, we were on a 24 hour call. So even if we worked all day, like we didn't really have an end time to our shift. We were 24 hour response. That first night we kind of settled in and, you know, we're in the city of Las Vegas and uh, around two in the morning we get woken up uh, and they request us out to the fire line and it was, because they were so worried it was gonna, you know, come into the town. So, it, I mean, that was kind of a, I'd never had that happen before. So it was kind of shocking at that point. Did it go into the town? I had heard from some people that it had kind of made its way into Vegas, but I didn't know if it fully went into town or not. Uh, no, it didn't. It got, it got really, really close though. It was, it was uncomfortably close, um, especially in the World College area and back in that canyon. Um, yeah, it got very close. It pretty much, pretty much touched their watershed almost. They did a really good job of kind of protecting it and uh, doing some 
controlled burning in there to make sure it didn't get it. But it was close, yeah. Right now that fire is what? They say about 80, 81% contained. I believe it was 93 as of two days ago. Oh, okay. okay great. That's, uh, so. Is it still like the Calf Canyon Hermit Peak Fire? Like it's still like a combination, right? Yeah, I believe so. I believe they just uh, combined them. So do you have to do anything now? Like as if, with it being 93% contained, what's that operation kind of look like in order so to get it to 100%? Yeah, so... Uh, right now, it's it's a lot of watching it and kind of mm -hmm. just seeing what it does and letting the rains do their thing. Gotcha. Um, in terms of containment, I think it has to be, you know, pretty pretty solid that it's done to be 100% contained. So that always takes a little while because they never want to they never want to create a false hope in them for it not to be contained. So they they do a real good job of just sitting on it and kind of watching it, you know, before yeah. they call it the full 100%. So are you worried, are you guys now worried about the flooding that's been since we've had a lot of rain in the past few weeks? Absolutely. Yeah, in terms of the flooding, that's that's always like the next big thing. Uh, I know the that they take a lot of time to really assess the areas and plan it out and kind of try to mitigate the issues where they can. But I think flooding is like one of the most unpredictable parts of it because you just you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, you don't know how that water's going to run off, right? You, you think it's going one way, and then all of a sudden, an arroyo is created, and something else goes somewhere. You know, it's just uh, not good, and you got to protect the water and the drinking water and all that. Uh, it's a it's a lot for you guys to think about. Now that you're kind of off of off of it just a little bit, have you had a chance to to go rope anywhere and take you a little R and R? Yeah, I have actually. I've uh, I've been roping a little bit in Las Vegas, New Mexico, actually, just Correct. around the area couple small yeah. ropes and getting some rest <laughs> those horses and those ropes they sure help fix a lot especially a guy like oh, yeah. you has been working so hard to, to get it done and and uh charles we just want to say thanks for you know thanks for taking time out of your schedule and joining us uh hopefully we're going to get to see you down the road somewhere at, a, at uh, one of our events and get to call out your name in the short round for all that cash and uh, also thank you for you know what you're doing uh, as a as a firefighter we we really we really appreciate that. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. All right, Fan. Well, those are some great conversations. We kind of got a little bit more clarity on what's going on. And, you know, luckily, thank goodness, it's 93% contained. But, you know, we just really, I just want to say before we go into, you know, what qualifiers we have this weekend, we want to say thank you to all of those people that have been helping the firefighters and everybody else. Um, you know, we're praying for you that have lost your homes and, and your livelihoods. And, you know, we hope that there's some relief on the way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And thanks to all those first responders and all those guys that are putting it out on the line to uh, make sure that we're all good because we are very fortunate live in a country where people want to just help out you got the professionals out there you've got guys that uh they're just ready to plug in wherever they're needed and they don't ask the questions they just grab the shovel or whatever they need to do to make it happen so thanks to all of you folks out there that uh, are wired that way all right Farron. and before we log off you know this is a big weekend it's the fourth of july weekend lots going on so what, what's Man, happening yeah you know the world series side of things are going to be in dillon the dillon qualifier in dillon montana uh beautiful place to be this time of year uh the rio doso qualifier in rio doso new mexico you know that rio doso kind of got hit by a fire here um first part of the year as well but uh it is 
beautiful in Rio Doso. They're going to be ready to go. You've got the team open. You've got the horse races. You got everything happening in Rio Doso, New Mexico. Uh, also in Kinder, Louisiana, they're going to be over there having a, another World Series uh, with James Watson. Always does a fantastic job. So Williams Qualifier in Williams, Arizona. And the Rapid City Qualifier in Rapid City, South Dakota. Absolutely beautiful. That's going to be tied in conjunction with uh, an NTR qualifier. Uh, for the NTR, we have the Hamilton Cowboy Christmas in Hamilton, Texas. That's Chance Kinney, CK Productions, putting that on. And the Mormon Lake Cowboy Christmas in Mormon Lake, Arizona. On the U.S. side, we have the USTRC Oklahoma Championships in El Reno, Oklahoma. So a lot of options and a lot of places where there's a lot of ropers. Woo, that's a lot. Well, we hope we see you out there, and we appreciate you all listening to the official team roping office podcast don't go anywhere else this is just the official one so we appreciate y'all we'll see you down the road we'll see you in about a month we'll have another one coming out so baron happy birthday thanks for all your help and i appreciate you you being on (laughs) another time around the sun thank you